The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, the Oilers fall into a big hole early and can't climb out. Four first period goals by the Vancouver Canucks on just six shots. And the Edmonton Oilers lose 4-2 to the Canucks. They have dropped four in a row. Welcome back inside Studio 99, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. And it is Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown. We have a special guest we're going to check in with here a little bit later as the Oilers have also lost three straight on home ice. Rob, as the Oilers are losing again here, Alex Chason left the game about halfway through the first period. He dropped a shot, blocked a shot, and uh, couldn't get back, so more offense out of the game, and they just can't generate enough push to eventually finish some chances and get back in this game. Well, too many grade-A mistakes in the first 20 minutes that the Oilers made. Uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about the depth of the Oilers on the back end, how that was going to affect them. In the first 20 minutes, it wasn't their depth defensemen that were causing the problems. It was veteran forwards turning the puck over, not recognizing uh, situations defensively, turning the three, a couple times, the Canucks had three on fours that turned into two on ones. The Oilers just didn't recognize the right, the right players to pick up. Uh, and it was tough. And then to add insult to injury, you lose the one consistent goal score <laughs> out of your top three in chase on, and you lose him to injury. Now all of a sudden you're like, okay, where are we going to find that extra, that extra goal that you need when you're trailing and trying to come from behind? So it, it was a tough night for, for the Oilers. It was a tough night for Alex Chason. And hopefully there is help on the way. Hopefully Russell will be back in the lineup soon because the Oilers need some good news. We have a special guest joining us in Studio 99, NHL legend, a man who was booed in the home ranks of both the Edmonton Oilers and Vancouver Canucks throughout his career. It's Theo Fleury. Theo, great to see you. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, it's great to be here. This is uh, this is quite the place. Are we in Vegas? Close. <laughs> yeah, the bottle service. It'll be over yeah. here in about 20 well, minutes. Well, there's a casino about a one-minute walk yeah. away, too, so you can get there as well. Theo, thanks for, for stopping by and sharing a few minutes with us. Uh, I mean, we're jumping right into some of the game chat here. Uh, I mean, you would have been there in, in your career, no matter how successful or non-successful of a season your team is having. Right. Sometimes you just have a stinker of a first period. Yeah, and it, uh, It's it, called it, the turkey after Christmas game, you know? And you know what? I found when we were the visiting team that we had a way bigger advantage because uh, we were more geared because we had to travel, we had to get there and, and all that. We used, to, we used to have to play Vancouver all the time on Boxing Day in Vancouver, and we used to kill them all the time. So, you know, but, it's, just, it's just one of those games. But I know that when we played... We always played a game on the 23rd and the 26th. We never had the break that yeah. they have nowadays. I couldn't imagine how it would affect the players now. Because, I mean, we had two days off, more or less. And we never, a lot of us didn't travel home. Right. So for these guys, that many days off, I mean, that's just a little more turkey, a little more pecan pie, a little more, more pop. A few more pops, yeah. So, yeah, and it, it looked like it, you know. <laughs> and and uh, I would say that your goalie was uh, was still asleep for... You know, the first period, and, and uh, he lets them, you know, if he runs in. But, uh, you know, I really enjoy coming and seeing this place because, wow. And you know what my wife said to me, sitting right beside me? She goes, uh, 
This place is like really awesome, and our <laughs> rink in Calgary looks like a Walmart. Oh, there's the big story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we need we need a building like this in Calgary. You, you mentioned the goaltending, Theo, and I know Rob and I have been asked a lot. What's the biggest difference since Ken Hitchcock took over as Oilers head coach? And hey, there's there's diff- there's differences, sure, but the biggest difference, to, to in my mind was the goaltending. And the Oilers on home ice, uh, just off the top of my head, beat Dallas 1-0 in overtime, beat Calgary 1-0, beat Vegas 2-1. Well, let's face it, Rob, they were, her- they were horrible. They were, they were In the first eight minutes of that game against Vegas, they were worse than they were tonight. Vegas didn't score, and, and the Oilers win 2-1. So Koskinen, I- I'm not putting this loss on him, but four goals mm-hmm. on six shots. Usually he's been bailing them out, and th- that didn't happen tonight. Well... Sounds like Hitch hockey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> One nothing. Um, yeah, goaltending is always, you know, a major factor. You look at, you know, down the road, 300 kilometers, you know, David Riddich has, is, you know, outplayed Mike Smith this year. It's the biggest reason why the Flames are in first place is, you know, they're getting great goaltending. So, Well, another thing that is going on right now in, in the world and I was very fortunate to play in the World Juniors one year for, for Canada and uh, I was teammates with Theo and we went over to Russia and we won a gold medal. Still one of the highlights of my hockey career. You do, are you still as excited at Christmas time, Boxing Day, this time of year when the World Juniors come up? Yeah, there's no question. It's, you know, of, of all the championships I've won, people ask me, you know, what's your favorite? I say it's the World Junior, because, you know, what was there, 20, 27 of us total, like the whole Hockey Canada, Yep. there was 27 of us, and we went over to Communist Soviet Union, and uh, had the time of our lives. It was unbelievable. It was incredible, from trading on the black market to, you know, to, like, just the whole experience was you know was just incredible well we were talking before the show about it we, i mean we had a kgb dude that drove wow. around on the bus everywhere we went he had to be with us yep. you phone your parents after or during the day you would go to your room you would call and then you'd wait six hours or so <laughs> for the phone to ring and at that point everyone's in the hallway you just if you hear the phone ring in a hotel room you'd run down you'd answer it just because you didn't know who it was and they oh you need who we need dan curry okay i'll go run down and get him yeah it, it was just an incredible experience and to me i would go into we and saw the Moscow Circus that was unreal. They had like the bears on the, the tricycles and stuff like that. It was Lenin's, unbelievable. Lenin's tomb. Lenin's, Lenin's tomb. You know? they walking through Red Square, the one that we we'd walk, you have to walk through these like, you have to walk single file and you have to walk through these cobblestone things. But we were walking ten abreast. All of a sudden a bunch of Russian military come out with machine guns pointing at us, yelling at us in Russian. We didn't know what they were saying. I knew what they were saying. Oh, of course. You, I mean, that's what we said. You, the tone told the story. I, I hid behind Theo. I said, well, I mean, but hit Theo first. To me, the coolest thing ever was <clears throat> we played the Russians in Luzhniki in the same place where Paul Henderson scored the goal in, in 1972. And to me, that was like, you know, the most incredible thing was, you know, here we are, a bunch of kids, snotty-nosed kids, and... And, uh, you know, Joe Sackick, Sheldon Kennedy, you know, Warren Babe, remember Warren yep. Babe? Trevor, Trevor Linden, yep. Mark Recchi, oh, Adam Graves. And, and Hitch was an assistant yep. coach. So yep. it was an incredible experience. And, and it's always awesome when this time of year comes around because all those memories, you know, come back. 
Do you remember that we played? So we actually flew over early and went to Finland, and we stayed up like where there were reindeer. Is that Veramaki. Oh, it was unreal. We trained there, but we had two exhibition games. One was against the Finnish national junior team. We also played a beer league, t- well, a, a, a Finnish men's pro team. <laughs> and after the first period, we were winning like 9-1. And the Team Canada Brass, Hockey Canada Brass, came in and said, you know what, these are our hosts. We're going to take it easy on them. We can't embarrass them. It was 9-1, take it easy. But they ended up beating us like 16-9. They weren't trying in the first period. They started trying in the second. We couldn't touch the puck. Theo Fleury joining us in Studio 99 here on Overtime Open Line. The Oilers have lost 4-2 to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Theo, just a couple more for you. Thanks, thanks for dropping yeah. by. Um, you know, the, the story for us, and I'm curious to get your perspective from seeing the game tonight and, and following throughout the year. I mean, the Oilers are a team where the offense is revolving around four guys. Three guys you expected, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, and Chase on, incredible. We'll see, we'll see how he's doing. He blocked a shot tonight. I, I just wonder your impression of, of the roster and how you see Hitch handling it with moving guys around, you know, trying Lucic, trying Pugliarvi. You know, because of Chase on getting hurt, trying, trying Ratty. I mean, is this? Can they? Can they survive this? How do? You, how do you look at it? Well, you can only get away with that for so long, you know. And and uh, it's probably easier to devise a game plan around the Oilers because, you know, you got your two best players playing on the same line. So if you have a good, good, two D, you know, on the back end, and your goalie plays well. You know, and it was, and it's funny. I was watching the game, and isn't it funny how the wrong guys get the grade A scoring chances? Yeah. You know, Cassian had one. Uh, can't remember who the other guy was. Oh, Reader Re- had one. Reader had one. You know, and it's it's amazing how the wrong guys always get those grade A scoring chances. You know, when they have an opportunity. You know, because it was four two. Yeah. You know, you make it four three. Who knows what's going to happen? So. You know, it's the 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 league is everybody can skate, you know, which is pretty much. But you know, once you get past, you know, that one or two lines, you know, and I I can only talk about Calgary because I watch Calgary play all the time, and you know they've got two, sometimes three lines going, and you know they've got great defense. And they're getting great goaltending, and that's you know that's how you win hockey games is is you need to get contributions from you know those fourth line guys. You know, for example, when when I played with the Flames in '89, you know I was the team's fourth fourth line center, but I got to play against the other team's crappy fourth line, <laughs> and so we were you know we were able to contribute because. You know, we had enough skill on our fourth line. We're playing against a third set of D, you know. So, you know, we, we created opportunities to score. And, and uh, but, you know, the, the secret to a losing streak is you just got every, got to get everybody to compete at a high level for one night and hopefully keep it close and McDavid whips one in at the end of the game and you, you win the game. And that's, you know, that's how it goes. So you, you've written a book, you've had a play about your life, you do public speak, and I, I, I've seen you. Uh, what are you doing nowadays? What's going on in Theo Fleury's world? Well, I just started writing another book. Oh, cool. Um, so I've been doing this for 10 years, and, uh, you know, there's, there's still one question 
that needs to be answered. So I work in the field of trauma, mental health, and addiction. And we've done a great job with awareness, okay? Everybody's aware, everybody's talking about mental health and all that, but we still have the highest suicide rates in the history of our planet. So why isn't that awareness being turned into, you know, getting people well? And so, you know, that's the $50,000 question that we're trying to answer, you know, before they stick me in the ground, you know, and, uh, but I, I've seen lots of change, I've seen lots of movement, but we still have miles and miles and miles to go. But uh, I really believe that the key to all of this and the key to solving it is how we used to do it back in, in the old days where everybody's house was open, the coffee pot was always on, and people came to our houses and we talked about pretty much everything, you know? And, uh, you know, we, we run a couple programs in Calgary through our foundation called the Breaking Free Foundation, and twice a month, uh, we invite anybody and everybody who wants to come, and uh, we co-facilitate a conversation around trauma, mental health, and addiction. And through this program, we've actually saved five people from killing themselves. And it's just, you know, get a bunch of people in a room, uh, create some safety uh, through vulnerability, and. And what happens organically is they start to look after each other away from what we're doing. And, and it's like peer-to-peer -peer counseling, I think, that probably works, you know, the best. And, uh, but, you know, we're busy. Uh, I pretty much travel once a week somewhere in Canada or in the United States. And, and uh, you know, we tried to spread, spread the message of hope and healing and and uh, try to provide some inspiration through, you know, my story and what I went through. And, and uh, you know, thank God I come out on the other side. And, uh, but, you know, I have my good days and bad days like everybody else. You know, I, I still have some, some mental health issues that, uh, you know, I need to, you know, pay attention to on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, it's way better than it was. <laughs> and, uh, um, and yeah, so I, you know, I get to travel around and, and get to meet all kinds of really cool people who uh, who are trying to do the same thing that I'm doing, and uh, and so we collect people, you know, that's what we do, we collect people and and uh, try to keep them close and try to keep them, uh, you know, on the right track and on the right path, and and uh, yeah, so it's it's. You know, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be doing this work, I would have said, uh, you know, probably not. But, uh, you know, the book really changed my life. The first book that I wrote changed my life and, and gave me a new purpose in life, gave me a reason to get out of bed. And, and, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's been interesting. And I've gotten an education on the fly, let me tell you, because I knew nothing when I started. And, and uh I definitely know a lot more now than than uh, than I did, and uh, and I'm you know I'm still trying to learn every day, and that's that's the exciting part. Well, Theo, thanks for dropping by. Speaking of eating people, I think there's some people here who want to say hi. It's a pleasure to some see you. Some Oiler fans, come on! <laughs> you're always more popular after you retire, right? It's, it's always great to have you on 6:30, Chad. I know you've been on Inside Sports with me several times, and it's always a pleasure to, to talk to you about whatever we're talking about. Thanks for stopping by tonight. My pleasure. And, you know, I get to hang out with my buddy who uh, we share something very special together. And, uh, 
you know, it's this time of year, so it's kind of ironic, you know. It is. It's always, it's always good seeing. It's always fun. And the good thing is, we, whenever we see each other, it's always at fun places to reminisce yeah. and enjoy each other's yeah. company. That is Theo we Fleury. Have that connection. That is Theo Fleury dropping by Studio 99 here on Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. The Oilers fall 4-2 to the Canucks. We'll hear from you at 780-496-0063. And head coach Ken Hitchcock is standing by. We're back in one minute. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. As the Oilers play host to the San Jose Sharks, lead pass, Horvat tried to cut inside, did so to the net, and a poke check by Cam Talbot. All right, that's the save of the game, courtesy of Cam Talbot, brought to you by Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game, jiffyloopservice.ca. Well, what a collection here. By the way, the Oilers lost 4-2 to Vancouver. We're going to break that down. What a collection today. we got Theo Fleury, Hall of Famer, in studio. we got Bag Milk of Oilers Nation fame. And uh, we have Edmonton actor, this is him right over there, uh, Eric Johnson, who has been in the last two Fifty Shades movies. He was in the CBC miniseries Caught. He was in uh, Smallville. Uh, he was in The Nick. That's an incredible uh, television show from a few years ago, uh, starring Clive Owen, two seasons of that. So he's here tonight. Man, we're just rocking This is rolling. the place to be right now, Studio 99. This is, really is the, the place to be. And, of course, uh, Rob Brown is here. Oh, not quite as good, but... <laughs> Can all be superstars. All right, so the story tonight, uh, the first period really doomed the Oilers today. Four goals on six, six shots for Vancouver. Uh, 4-2, Vancouver winds up winning the game. It was Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl getting power play goals for the Oilers. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll go to your calls in a couple of minutes, but let's go down to the Hall of Fame room. Head coach Ken Hitchcock, his comments for GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Uh, first of all, uh, our condolences to uh, Liz, the, the children, the grandchildren on Elmer's passing. Um, Elmer has been a good friend for uh, 40 years, and he's been a great friend to hockey and a great friend to, obviously, the city of Edmonton. So Elmer's going to be dearly missed, and it's a tough time for the Benning family right now. Any questions? Ken, this morning you talked about how your team's played really well for long stretches and then you kind of give the game away. You kind of did that in reverse. You gave the game away early and then came back, or how did you feel tonight? We played 55 minutes of really good hockey. And we had a tough goal on some of the goals, but we played. We played. We had exactly the start we needed. We had... A lot of things, and it just seemed like every opportunity. There, there was one goal we got beat off the wall on the fourth goal, which was disappointing. But the rest of the time, you know, we, we did a lot of things right. Uh, I, I believe right now that this is the building block back again. I know we're in a really tough situation injury-wise. I know we got a lot of people out. But I saw some things today that are building blocks so we can move this thing forward, hopefully into another level. Uh, we can't do anything about the health, and nobody's going to feel sorry for us. But I thought we competed, and uh, we, like I said, we made some mistakes early, but we competed right from the start to the end. And uh, I know it doesn't uh, come out that way in the scoreboard, but we did a number of good things, especially in the second and third period, that allow us to, to build on something here. And it's a group that 
with the people that are out of the lineup, it's a group that's wondering. And the last thing we need to do right now is beat it up some more. And it's a group that uh, it's going to need every one of us to rally behind until some of these guys get back in the lineup. And we don't. I can't tell you when these guys are going to be back in. I can't tell you the guys that are we're sick. Uh, we'll take another. St- we'll take stock tomorrow and figure out where we're at. Um, in the, in that vein, I guess Alex Chason took a puck to the knee. Do you have any update? Yeah, he's the X-ray was negative, but he's very sore right now. After, uh, I mean, there have been some injuries, but it's been a rough little slide here. What are you sensing in the group, just in terms of their ability to stay positive and stay on the right side of it? Well, the slide started with the injuries. It's what happens. You you get a little bit of a, you know, you get a little bit of time where you're going to be okay. But everything in the NHL, Ryan, is about slotting. Everything is about putting people in the right position so they can have success. And when you get pushed out of your slot, it lasts a little bit. The euphoria of being able to do something more, add more minutes, add more responsibility, it's exciting. But then the reality that this is the National Hockey League takes place. We've, been, we've got ourselves in a spot because we've got pushed too high up the ladder. And now what we've got to do is just kind of hold steady and see if we can remain competitive. I think we will, especially from what I saw today, and then build it back up as we get moving forward and as guys start to come back in the lineup. But it's a tough goal for everybody because you're asking way more than people have given their whole careers, and then you're saying, oh, by the way, we need it tonight and the next night and every other night. Uh, the goal is going to give up. Was he just back to being, you know, he was otherworldly there. <coughs> I'm stopped every- he would be the first guy, Jimmy, to say he didn't have a good night. He's a straight shooter. He'd be the first guy to tell you that he didn't play that well. And those things are going to happen. Uh, we had a number of chances, what, three, four, five goalposts to bail him out tonight, but we couldn't get it done. We, we got it to two. I thought if we got it to three, we were going to win the hockey game. But we didn't get the third one. But he knows he can be better, and he's going to be better the next time he plays. And we keep talking to the same people after the <laughs> Dreisaitl and McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. At what point are somebody else on this team going to score a goal? Well, I think that's what makes a team. I think, like I said before, if we're going to really grow, we're, getting, we're going to need more participation. But we are getting it from people that don't show up on the scoreboard. To me, Caleb Jones was outstanding today, and he's been outstanding since we got him. Jesse Polarvi's been a good player. We're we're getting it from our younger players, and some of the guys that have been around a little while have a terrific opportunity, and they ought to take advantage because there's going to be other younger guys that are going to take the spot. Ken Cassian, you mentioned how you watch video and kind of showed him what you wanted. Did he seemed to play and, and do what you wanted tonight? And they got three shots on net, created a lot. Did you see more of what you were expecting from him? I thought not, not until we changed the lines. When we changed the lines, everything changed. When Luchik played um, with uh, Nugent Hopkins and, and Pugliarvi, they played better. And when, uh, when the line of uh, Brodziak, Cassian, and, uh, and Ryder was aligned, it played better. So I thought, I don't think it changed until we changed lines. And then when we did, it seemed to go to another level. So with that in mind, would... Are you looking to yeah. those comments? I think that's realistic. I think, I think both look like a, a better fit right now. Uh, we were 
We didn't think that they'd, we thought they could work through it, but it didn't work out. So we'll make the changes necessary. All right, that is Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock as the Oilers have lost their fourth straight 4-2 to Vancouver tonight. He started off with sympathy to the Benning family legendary scout Elmer Benning passing away today. Of course, he is the uh, grandfather of Oilers defenseman Matt Benning, father to Jim Benning, the Vancouver Canucks general manager, father to uh, Brian Benning, Matt's dad and former NHL defenseman, played for the Oilers himself. I, I've met Elmer a number of times uh, and just a, a, a good man and I know that Matt is told, I've, I do events with Matt Benning, tell a story that his, his grandpa had, I can't remember the name of the car it was, but he had put over a million miles or a million kilometers on a car driving from one hockey rink to another hockey rink over his scouting career. Uh, the Benning family are, are one of the greatest hockey families that uh, the country has seen. If you look at uh, what each of them has done, and Elmer Benning is the, the the man that started it all, a wonderful human being, and he will sorely be missed, and our condolences obviously go out to the entire Benning family. Yeah, absolutely well said, Rob, for sure. So uh, we will talk about the game tonight, though. The Oilers uh, have lost 4-2 to the Canucks, and... I mean, here's the frustrating thing. Second game in a row, your power play goes two for three. And you don't win either, either game. Well, it, it, it's, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. Well, the power play's playing better. You like that. Um, they move the puck around. They look dangerous. I mean, they score goals, but they look dangerous before the pucks even went in the net. They're creating a number of opportunities. Uh, they finally had some practice time to work on things. I, tonight, and, and, I, and I agree a lot with what Hitch said after the game, uh, they they played well for the majority of this game, but they made huge mistakes, huge mistakes, and by veteran players, veteran forwards. Those are what that's what cost the Oilers tonight. Now, yes, it wasn't the, the Koskinen's best night, but the mistakes that, that he made were the end result of bigger mistakes that happened before that that allowed the Vancouver Canucks great scoring chances. And when uh, Theo was on after the game, talked about the Oilers. We're getting grade-A scoring chances from players that you would have preferred maybe if it was a different player that would have had it. The Vancouver Canucks, their grade-A scoring chances they got early, their best players, Peterson, uh, Besser, they were the one getting the scoring chances and they made no mistake. 4-2, Vancouver wins it. The Oilers' record drops to 18-16-3 on the season. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Tony to the show. Tony, thanks a lot for calling. What's on your mind? Um, I just have a question for you guys because um, this was brought up in the Canada Series too. And shout out to Theo Fleury, probably one of the best forwards I've ever seen play, um, besides Gretzky, but everybody knows that. Uh, the one thing I've been wondering is, a friend of mine and I were arguing about this, can a, can a power play actually determine a game, or is that just like a small factor to why a team lost? Because, you know, there for a while, I mentioned... There for a while, I mean, think goes on a good streak where our power play is fantastic. Then we go on these cold streaks where they're where they're non-existent, and then all kind of stuff. I'm thinking, can a power play actually, you know, change of the momentum of a game to basically the point where they can win or they can lose? 
Well, I mean, there's so many things in a hockey game that can win or lose a hockey game. Great goaltending can win and win hockey games for you. Poor goaltending can lose it. Uh, last year, we saw so many times on home ice where the Oilers' inability to kill a penalty yeah. cost them game after game after game. And we've seen in the year that the Oilers made the playoffs a couple years ago, how many times did their power play win them a game in a third period? So, so yes, normally if you win the special teams battle, you usually win the hockey game. Unfortunately, there's been a blip in that on the radar for the Oilers is the last couple of games. Their power play has been good, but their five-on-five play hasn't been as. 4-2 Vancouver over Edmonton tonight. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. He is... On his way, I don't want to get too far ahead. Well, he's the favorite for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. He was very good again tonight. Elias Peterson for the Vancouver Canucks. His comments for BDO, First Call, Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, License Insolvency Trustees. Uh, yeah, it's easy to like start after a break with a slow start. So we especially talked about come out hard, uh, play simple, uh, and, and just skate a lot and make it hard for them. And uh, I think we did. And, uh, First period was really good, second wasn't that good, and that th- first 10 in the third wasn't that good, but I think we finished it uh, really well. Could you sense Brock was there when you set him up there? When you went uh, yeah, uh, I knew he was there before I got the puck, so, and uh, I think I heard him scream too. So I was trying to beat my defender around his stick, and yeah, it worked out. What about on your goal? What did you see? I mean, that's a tough shot to make, but there was room there? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it was a, a three and two again, and I and I was thinking to myself, if I get the puck, I'm gonna try to go uh, uh, short top corner, and uh, and yeah, I did. That's another long road trip for you guys. A great way to start it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like we started the game really well, and and uh, our second wasn't that good, so we just got. I'm gonna play 60 minutes, uh, good hockey for 60 minutes, cause uh, cause today it worked out, but maybe it will not work out next game. So we just gotta play for 60 minutes. You passed Edmonton in the standings. I know it's early, but uh, yours is a young team on the rise. Is it? Uh... Uh, I think lately we've been playing really well. Uh, like I think we, everybody's working, everybody's uh, is dialed in, and uh, I think. When we guess we gotta do that every night to be successful and uh, yeah. Belief is there belief here that is good to have. Yeah, of course it is. It is. We believe in ourselves, believe in our teammates, and, uh, and uh, like in our game plan. So. All right, that is Elias Peterson for the Vancouver Canucks. Two points tonight, 38 points in 34 games for the rookies, helping Vancouver knock off Edmonton 4-2. Exciting player, sniped the goal in the first period. Rob, every new player, every young player who is a point producer, an exciting player, brings something a, a little bit different. What do you see from Peterson that is at the top of his skill set? Well, I think the top is his uh, knowledge, his hockey IQ. Uh, he knows what play to make at the right times. And a uh, perfect example where, where the goal and the assist he had. Both plays were plays that were the Oilers had the numbers back and, and made mistakes. 
and they made mistakes with the best player on Vancouver with the puck on his stick. First time he comes down, he realizes that Nurse, the defender, is coming over. He allows him to come as far as he can, waits for the goaltender to commit to him, then he throws it back door to Besser. Besser scores. The next time he comes down, the exact same play. Exact same play, he comes down. Now in the goalie's mind, Koskin. Koskin knows, well, the last time this kid had the puck on his stick, he passed it. He waited me out and passed it. Koskinen was anticipating a little bit the pass going across. There wasn't much room, and in Koskinen's defense, very few players in the National Hockey League are going to hit the spot that Peterson hit, but Peterson, that one, because he was in the head of Koskinen, he goes upstairs short side, so he, he, read, he read the play. The first one, okay, I'm going to pull everyone over. I'll make the pass. The second one, everyone's expecting the pass. This time I'm going to shoot. His hockey IQ is outstanding, and he's got the skill set to go with it. All right, 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Vancouver Canucks. We have Alex standing by. Alex, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hi there, how are you? Good. It was nice to see uh, C.R. and Fleury. I enjoyed listening to what he had to say. Um, I can't help but think that this team, uh, I'm starting to feel, feeling that sense of dread, man. I mean, it, I know they're only a few points out of the playoffs, but it feels almost like they're five or six. And when you lose twice to Vancouver in the last uh, four games and one to St. Louis at home, and, you know, and and, and uh, I, I really don't know if they're going to recover for this cleft bomb injury. And I know they're going to get Russell back, but just the lack of finish and uh, the lack of depth up front. Um, I mean, hey, we got two, there's two games left with this homestand. We can see them go 0 for 5 here pretty short. And, uh, I, I hate, you know, it's going to be almost like last year when I think they came out of the Christmas break and they lost four in a row or five. I'm not too sure. But it almost feels like before the Christmas break, this thing was sliding. And um, it was a gross feeling. What can I say? You know, that third and fourth goal uh, to end that first period. And, uh, and I know that was a great shot, but I really thought Koskinen could have got over a little bit, out a little bit more and a little bit over it. Yeah, well, and you wouldn't be did. talking about... And then yeah. that, it won, the one where he didn't even have a stick down for the fourth goal was, you know, but... Uh, yeah, and I'm sorry, I we appreciate it. But, yeah, I mean, those two goals in the last minute 12 of the first period, in hindsight... <laughs> that, well, not in hindsight. At the time, you're thinking, okay, was that it? Because they'd got it back to 2-1 after a bad start. Then it's 3-1. Oh, okay, not great. And then it, it, it's 4-1. It's the, the fourth goal is the one that killed the Oilers. I mean, at 3-1, you're one shot away from having a one-goal game with 40 minutes to go in the hockey game. Uh, and you just thrown your first, your worst period out there. You knew they were going to come back better in the second period. But the fourth one in the last 10 seconds of a period on a play that the Oilers four times had the puck. Uh, Nurse had it twice. Larson had it. Raddy had it. All four of them had control of the puck. And none of them get it out. And not only do they not get it out, they don't get it away from a danger area. Like the puck stayed within 10 feet of the net the whole time. And then Koskinen gets beat on a goal he probably wants back. So it's... The, the, the first point that the caller made was probably the point that we've talked about a lot. Depth scoring for the Oilers. We talked about it before the season started. Where's the depth scoring going to come from? And I don't think even in our worst nightmare we would have expected some of the players to have its slowest starts of the season. Like we thought, okay, you know what? Lucic maybe isn't the 25 goal scorer anymore, but he's probably going to kick in 15. Cassian, you know, he's probably going to have a bounce back. He's probably going to get 10 to 15 goals. And these are players that are getting good ice time, playing uh, important minutes, and it's not going in. And now these, this is a legit question. Where is this goal? Where are the goals going to come from? If, as Theo said, you have the two best players playing together and you can defend that line, 
Who's going to put the puck in the net? The Oilers, when you have injuries on the back end, you try to outscore those injuries. And the Oilers don't have the horses right now, or the horses haven't shown up yet to be able to outscore the injuries they have. All right, 4-2, Vancouver wins it. You'll hear from the Nuge as we roll along. You can call in to 780-496-0063. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 it's a fourth straight loss for your Edmonton Oilers. Two of them have been to the Vancouver Canucks. 4-2 Vancouver wins tonight. Really the story of the game, the first period. The Canucks had six shots on goal. They scored on four of them. Miko Koskinen was pulled after that. Cam Talbot went the rest of the way, did not allow a goal. He stopped all 14 shots. He faced Markstrom, 30 saves to get the win for the Canucks. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It is 1043. Hope you had a great Christmas. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Scott in Boston is up late in the East and giving us another call. Hey, Scott. What's up, guys? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you all out there in Western Canada. How are you? Good. All right, cool. I'm going to try to touch on a lot of points in about 90 seconds if I'm granted the time, okay? I'll get on point. First of all, the World Junior Championships, what an awesome tournament. I watched Canada win 14 nothing yesterday or two, whatever the heck it was. Again, Denmark shouldn't even be on the ice. What a joke. But I'll tell you what, USA is going to give them a game if they, if they meet each other. Let's go on to the Oilers tonight. I still like this Edmonton team, but a couple comments on tonight's game. A, Hitchcock, it bugs the heck out of me. Coaches wait too long to pull the goalie. You're down two goals. Now, if you're down two goals in an 8-6 game, then yeah, keep playing. You might score and tie it up without pulling the goalie. They had nothing going on in the third. They should have pulled the goalie with five minutes left. Nothing was happening. And then I heard the announcer, who I love, who does the play-by-play for Edmonton Radio. I listened to the game. I didn't even watch it. What was, who's the guy? Jack Grinkles. Awesome, awesome. So he says, oh, is it, uh, there's four minutes left. Should they keep McDavid out? The kid's 22 years old. You should have him on the ice for the last six minutes of the game. The kid can play six minutes, please. He's in a bad, bad, he's been better shaped than us times five. Moving on. Edmonton had no puck luck tonight. I call it puck luck here in Boston. They played fine. They just as easily could have won. Tonight wasn't their night. Moving on. I'm down to 30 seconds. There's no, this is the genesis of my call, my friends. They have no consistency on their top line. McDavid needs to have line mates. It seems to change every night. Who, who was it tonight? Who's on his line? Who's McDavid's line? Okay, thanks, Scott. Dreisaitl and, and Chason, but obviously Chason left the game with an injury, so we'll see how he does. He and Dreisaitl have been together a lot of the year now. I'm, I'm going to disagree a little bit there on there's no uh, consistency in the first line. The first line is the only line that's had consistency the entire season. They're the, I mean, we, we, we talked to Theo here, and he talked about the fact that the others have no depth scoring after their first line. And Ken Hitchcock has is, is tried a couple different combinations, hoping to spark a second line, trying to find a third or a fourth line. But uh, the Oilers' first line, any, I mean, anyone that's going to play with Connor McDavid, there's going to be consistency because uh, I, we've been around here and doing games a long time, you and I. There's one, very few players in the National Hockey League that come on a consistent basis like Connor McDavid does. There's maybe two games, three games a year where you say, you know what, Connor didn't have it tonight. So uh, the consistency of the first line has been really the only constant that the others have had all year long. 
All right, we have uh, Troy on the line as well. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Canucks. Troy, you're going to finish the play tonight, but first, give us your thought. Well, the Oilers played a good game tonight. It was just a bit of hitting the post. So they had more shots on net. They, I, I think they would have won the game if their shots got in. But they played a good game, and they just got to release the puck a bit faster on uh, two-on-one or coming into zone a bit. Instead of making that last-minute hesitation pass across the net. And uh, if they do that, I think they'll be good. All right, fair enough, Troy. We're going to finish the play with you. We would like to put your name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe, adrenaline-pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Here we go. Jacob Markstrom will direct the puck to Derek Pouliot. Turned over. Brodziak to the middle. Reshot. All right, uh, wrist shot in the first period. Was that a chance for Zach Cassian or Valentin Zikoff? Uh, I didn't really watch the game. I was watching the World Juniors, but I'll just go with Cassian. Jacob Markstrom will direct the puck to Derek Pouliot. Turned over, Brodziak to the middle, wrist shot. What a save on Cassian by Markstrom. Good instincts by Troy, as of course uh, Zikoff only played 618 today, and uh, Cassian. What did he get up to tonight? 15-10 for Cassian. Yeah, he eventually moved up and got more ice time in the third period. They played him with McDavid a little bit, taking the spot of Chase on. Uh, Ken Hitchcock, just like Todd McCullen, just like every coach Oilers had as of late, when things aren't going well, and every coach I've ever played for does the same thing, when things aren't going well, the, the, the margarita shaker comes out and you shake <laughs> up the lines and you roll it out there to see what you can have, trying to find something they can add a spark to the team. Canucks over the Oilers 4-2 tonight. Vancouver's first goal, first shot of the game, scored by Tyler Mott. His post-game reaction for BDO, first call debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, license insolvency trustees. Your sale kind of set the table on your goal. Did the spade work on the sidewalk, got the puck to your line. Had a great night tonight. The collective effort. Uh, the, those two guys make it easy. A lot of the time they, they work hard in all areas. They're very detailed. Um, sometimes you know, you're just lucky to, to get a plate on, down the slot and try to make it count. So it's nice playing with those guys. Obviously they play with a lot of tempo and they play the right way. You guys played a lot as well. What's that mean to a player to you know, get those matchups and play a lot? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I guess especially against a team like that and some uh, some individuals over there, we knew we had to do a good job tonight. And we, we as a line, we're, we're pretty excited when we found out that was going to be our role. Um, it's a situation I think we all like to play in and something that uh, you know doesn't happen every night. But when you get a chance to go up against a line like that, you kind of uh, take pride with it. What about the way you played them in the third? Like you're back on your heels a little bit at times in the second and probably knew that that was going to happen. Uh, but it looked like you played them pretty straight up in the third. Yeah, they had a lot of push there in the second. We knew it was going to come. Um, Probably not our best 20 minutes tonight, obviously, but uh, we tried to go right back at them there in the third, try to play our game no matter you know what the scoreboard is or, or what the period looks like. Uh, try to go out and, and continue to be aggressive, and we were able to do that. All right, Scott Johnson working the Canucks dressing room today. They get back to uh, 500 on the season, beating the Edmonton Oilers 4-2. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll get in a couple more phone calls to 780-496-0063. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Thanks for joining us tonight. The Canucks beat the Oilers 4-2. Our condolences to the Benning family, legendary scout Elmer Benning 
has passed away. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99, 780-496-0063. We'll get Fred onto the line here. Fred, go ahead. Yes. All I'd like to say is that I'm, I can see we're on our way to our uh, first, our first five, uh, first five uh, draft picks next next year again, and we'll probably pick a guy up like Puliari when we could have had Tachek, and we'll be back in the basement again. This this blending crap that these uh, last three or four coaches that we've got uh, is 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 garbage. They they should not be doing that. They they should put some lines together and let them gel. You look at all the last ten years of all the uh, all the winners, the the winning hockey teams that have been in the playoffs every year. They put their their top lines together and they leave them together. Yes, once in a while they'll move them around, but basically they put them together and let them gel and work together. The, the, two coach, co- the last two coaches that the Oilers had have got, what, 1,300 wins in the National Hockey League? Every team changes lines. Every team. When things don't go well, they change lines. The Chicago Blackhawks, I've seen games where Taves and Kane are together. I've seen games when they're not. Every team does it. I don't... The reason that the Oilers are changing lines is because the lines they have don't work. So that's why they change lines. So this is not on the coaches trying to find, uh, trying to change the lines too often. This is the coaches trying to find some consistency. And if they found lines that worked, they would leave those lines together. Coaches aren't breaking up things that are successful. Because the Oilers are not successful, that's why they have to continue to, to mix up the lines. So this is not on the coaching staff. All right, before we wrap it up tonight, we'll bring on uh, Terry here for one last phone call. Terry, go ahead. Rob, happy new year, you guys. You know, uh, ter- Terrific show, and thank you so much. And uh, a chance to vent a little bit. My condolences, number one, first of all, to the betting family. It seems like, well, I go back to watching Al Hamilton, Glenn Sather, and Bobby Orr playing junior hockey. So I've been around the block a couple of times. Um, I, I, I leave you with this this message. You speak a guy named Tom used to call in, but he passed away last year. He was very informative. I liked hearing from him. Um, I, I leave you with this little comment, and then you can make what you want out of it. But as far as I'm concerned, Shirelli left Hitchcock, an American Hockey League team. And as far as I'm concerned, Nurse has to go. He's got no intelligence quotient. I was offered tickets to tonight's game, but after watching the St. Louis Blues in town here, the other day I declined all right thanks Terry we appreciate it so the Oilers lose 4-2 to Vancouver our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors if it hurts see a chiropractor visit albertachiro.com well the adjustment for the Oilers was the second and third periods after the first the problem was they were already behind three goals once they got it going a little bit and had a little bit of a forecheck. Rob, matinee coming up on Saturday. San Jose coming to town. We'll have the face-off show at 12.30. Game will start at 2 here on 6.30. Check. And it is a step up in weight class. The, the San Jose Sharks are a very good hockey club that many consider to be one of the top in the Western Conference. They'll be getting Eric Carlson back from a suspension for that game. They Last I looked, they were winning again tonight. It will be a true test for the Oilers. 
Hopefully we'll see Russell in the lineup because this is a team that's deep up front. They can throw one, two, or three lines at you. They can score. That makes a tough matchup if you've only got one pairing that you can throw out there and feel safe with. San Jose leading Anaheim 3-2 with three and a half minutes left in the third. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 630 Ched. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Oilers have lost four straight Canucks win tonight, 4-2. We've been live in Studio 99, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line.